This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hello and welcome to another episode of the East Lansing Insider, a news podcast brought to you by East Lansing Info and Impact 89FM. My name is Andrew Graham from East Lansing Info. Got a very exciting show today. I'm diving in on the Responsible Hospitality Council, which is a consortium of liquor license holders in East Lansing's downtown working together to promote responsible hospitality. I talked to Scott Rowland, the owner and operator of Lou and Harry's, and then Mike Kruger, the owner and operator of Crunchies. It's a really good episode. It's really fascinating, and I hope you guys enjoy. Here's Scott. So I'm joined now with Scott Rowland, who is the general manager of Lou and Harry's, or um, owner, owner and operator. Operator. Yep. Okay. Um, so Scott, you are obviously a downtown bar and restaurant operator, owner, and a member of the Responsible Hospitality Council, which we will call the RHC here at Fourth because it's a lot quicker. Can you just, I guess, for the layperson listening in who either isn't from East Lansing or doesn't know, can you just? Kind of give me the elevator pitch on what the RHC is and what it does. Yeah, sure. So the RHC is, um, I don't want to say it's unique to East Lansing because there are other councils out there in other cities, but it's very unusual. Um, but it's basically the downtown district managers slash owners of all the restaurants and bars, um, basically the liquor license holders in the downtown district, wanted to put together the council to talk about um, you know anything from responsible management during bigger events to upcoming events. During the pandemic, we discussed a lot of information about uh, the different COVID lockdowns and all the different things we had to do to keep everyone up to speed. Um, So, you know, once a month, anyone that's a member meets and we go over, you know, all the upcoming events, all the past events, anything the city may be holding coming up to try to learn more about it and make sure everyone's prepared as best we can be. Right. And I don't know if you were around when it originally formed. I'm far too young to have that institutional memory. But do you know how old the RHC is or sort of how long these this specific effort has been ongoing? Yeah, so I believe it was founded in 1998. So oh, it was definitely before I was my born. time. It's as old as me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so it's been around for quite a while. Um, it's But it's it's grown in stature a lot over the years. Um, I I originally was a part of it about 10 years ago, um, right after I graduated MSU and everything. So I... Uh, so um, I've been a part of it for a long time. I'm part of the executive committee now. So it's been around since, yeah, 1998, I believe, is the year it was founded. And it's just grown. And, you know, we keep getting new people in town with new licenses. And we invite them to come aboard. And it's been awesome feedback. The city uh, loves it. They, they're they a part of it as well. We usually have one or two city council members that come. And, uh, you know, sometimes the mayor will stop by. ELPD, MSUPD always come and say hello and listen in and give any feedback they see coming. And, you know, so, it's Yeah. What's I guess that's kind of that kind of leads me to the next question of what's I guess what's the average meeting of the RHC like I think there's a lot of different elements of what actually goes into responsible hospitality I think everybody jumps to college town you know you don't want massive crowds of overserved undergraduates or anything like that but I think there's a lot more that goes into it than that frankly it's that's sort of the surface level thing but I think there's a lot more that goes into it I'm kind of curious to learn what comes up at an average meeting and what kind of you guys deal with. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the executive committee meets the week beforehand to go over an agenda. And uh, the agenda basically always looks kind of the same where it's, um, you know, past events. And then and then we'll speak about, you know, say, 
just recently we spoke about Big Ten basketball schedule starting and gotcha. so we'll go over that to see how everyone did with it and then, you know any kind of problems or good things that came out of it and then um, and then we'll talk about upcoming events for instance we just had an RE seating this week and we spoke about Valentine's Day talked about March Madness um, sorry March Madness and uh, St. Patrick's Day and uh, when we go over the items what we basically talk about is you know say we're talking about uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day we'll talk about you know using plastic instead of glassware so there's less breakage and less dangerousness from glass and We'll talk about proper staffing and what, you know, and it's all suggestion based. It's nothing like telling anyone what to do, but we just say, right. Exactly. You know, we just talk about, you know, overconsumption. Exactly. We talk about that a lot where we just say like, Hey, this is kind of some signals to look for and uh, you know, make sure because a lot of the places down here are getting a lot of new staff. So we're going over, you know, what we believe to be the best management practices according to RHC's guidelines. And so, yeah, and we go over all that. We have all the affiliated partners. So like, you know, ELPD or MSUPD, they'll, they'll speak and, give us any updates they can, um, right. especially for big events like St. Patrick's Day. It's, it's really awesome to have MSUPD and ELPD on there because they tell us like, this is what we're going to be staffing. This is what we're going to be expecting. This is, and you know, for past events, they'll tell us like, we had a lot of problems with house parties or, or block parties, but you know, the, but the restaurants downtown seemed really quiet and uh, you know, stuff like that. So it just really keeps us informed and knowing where we need to improve and where we're doing well. So. Right. Well, that kind of makes sense. And just creating, if nothing else, it creates a regular system for, the sort of liquor license holders downtown to at least come together. And I know something that kind of frequently happens, or maybe not frequently, but something that happens at the RHC is if it's a support network almost for the bar owners. And if somebody's saying, Hey, I'm having this problem with X and you know, there's two or three other people like, Hey, we dealt with that a couple of years ago. Here's what we did. Here's what might work. It almost seems like I hesitate to use the term support group, but it's kind of it, it in a way it, it's just a sounding board and it's not, Otherwise, you guys would probably just be kind of flying alone in a storm almost. I mean, absolutely. Support group is a great term to use during <laughs> the, the whole COVID pandemic because, I mean, there was times where I was at a complete loss of what to expect or how to handle a certain situation that was happening. And I would go into the RC saying, hey, how were you guys dealing with this? You know, a perfect right. example is a lot of these places downtown have lines. And when the restrictions came out, we were not allowed to have any in-person lines. Yeah, so distance, we... Right. we we all just soundboarded different ideas of how can we create a scenario where we're not having people line up out of our doors, but at the same time, people know where how to navigate that problem. And, you know, we came up with virtual lines, we used different systems, but it was really awesome because all the the people right. came together and said, this is what we do. This is what we do. This is how we can improve this. And it, it really helped to get us past certain problems. So, And that almost seems like with something like the the lines and COVID specifically, that almost seems like something too, where if you guys are all getting together, there's a little bit of, the downtown bars and eateries and stuff are all kind of on the same page and it creates a broader expectation and that it almost, it's kind of twofold the layers in which you can help yourselves and end up kind of helping each other in that way. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. Yes. And then as far as sort of the, the government involvement, I know this is kind of an interesting facet of it and kind of it's a quasi government body. It's not, you know, the, the RHC is not, a public body you guys aren't subject to the open meetings act or anything like that but you do work pretty closely with elpd and east Lansing city council and i guess how has how i guess how have you seen that relationship work and and be beneficial over the years and it, it seems like the rhc in general for the city of east lansing is probably something that is more of an asset than anything else because having bar owners who you can just i mean it just getting you all in the same room is pretty helpful I guess, yeah. how's that, how's that relationship play out and how's that been maybe beneficial for keeping things in line, so to speak, downtown? 
It's, it's been really great because it, exactly what you said, it kind of centralizes the voice of the downtown district. Cause what we normally do is we'll, the meeting before uh, an issue would come up, like for instance, food truck uh, situations are coming right. up where they're trying to approve the food truck. And, um, you know, so we met last month about food truck, got a general consensus, had a vote on whether we should take a stance on it or not. And because we had a mixed agenda on that, we decided to not make a stance, but we were still able to communicate to Adam Cummings that, hey, this is kind of how we feel. Yeah, you know, as general consensus, as a brick and mortar place. So, yeah, it, it with the city, it gives them an opportunity to have us all in one room, essentially, you know, that right. they can ask a question. How do you feel as downtown businesses? How do you feel about such and such. And we were able to give them usually a pretty you know, good answer. A lot of times we'll actually write letters, formal letters to the city council because we only allow one city council member or, you know, and one representative on our meeting. So it's not a problem with the open right, uh, that meeting. Start to get, um, get sticky that yeah. way. Yeah. But it definitely really helps, especially with the police department. Cause we've, we've voiced concerns with the police department. We've also voiced extremely happiness with the police department in the past. So it's, you know, we, we, it's the communication really helps having us all in one right. room and it, you know, and they're really open to it as the city, they, they do listen, it seems. And, you know, they have to do what they have to do sometimes, but you know, as a whole picture, they do seem to take it into account and it makes it nice. Cause it's not just coming from one person repeatedly, you know? Right. And it's so, not, Hey, this guy's nagging us or this place. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a little more uniform. I wanted yeah. to ask you, you mentioned you went to MSU and I'm assuming you, you at some point or another were a patron of some of the bars downtown as a student. I guess, how was your perspective on the culture of sort of going out partying in East Lansing changed just from you kind of going from being a student to now owning and operating Lou and Harry's to, and, and the way the culture itself has sort of changed. I think we change and then times change. And so I guess, how have you kind of seen how things have been different in the last 10, 15 years in East Lansing. So when I was at school here, uh, MSU was consistently ranked in Maxim Magazine as top 25 party schools. So it was it was completely <laughs> a, a different culture where, you know, bars and restaurants were busy by 3 p.m. in the afternoon on the weekend days, you know. And so, right. you know, nowadays it's, you know, kids come out a lot later. They're spending a lot more time at home doing their like a pre-party type attitude and they come out later. But right. you know, overall the the feeling of everything, it, it's it's kind of similar. I mean, there's still, you know, very good kids that come out and everyone has a good time and it seems to be overall safe as long as the environment you're creating is safe. It's right. so. it sort of set the parameters to begin with and then it's yeah. it's the expectation. It's kind of what we're coming back it, it, with to begin exactly. with. Exactly. And then I kind of want to wrap it up on you mentioned the sort of big events coming up, but I think the biggest one and you touched on it a couple of times is the issue of COVID. And that's been multifaceted in both it keeps changing over time at first we knew nothing then we knew a little bit more and we still don't know much i guess how has the rhc been able to be helping each other out and not only keeping patrons of businesses safe but also helping businesses find a way to not just go belly up during this pandemic because i think that's been it, it would just be really easy to look at things and be like we're screwed yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of scary times that happened throughout the pandemic, but, um, you know, I would say it, it's just more, like you said earlier, it's more of the support where you see that other people are going through certain issues. Like a big issue recently is supply chain, you know, getting product. Right. And, and sometimes, you know, I, I hate to say it, but you know, misery enjoys company. And it's just like, sometimes when you just feel like you're on this Island where like, I can't get anything, everything's coming in wrong. Everything's more expensive. Then you hear other restaurant tours talking about like, we're having these same issues with staffing and all the other, and all the above you start feeling just like, okay, I can get through this. It, it makes right. me feel that I'm not alone. It makes me feel that like, okay, if, if these people can do it, I can do it. You know? So it, again, it just kind of comes back to that support feeling where you don't feel alone anymore. Cause that's what COVID really, the pandemic really did to yeah, a lot of hospitality is it really made you feel alone. It made you feel like you're not doing things correctly. And 
you know, when, well, when this like, so. Yeah. And I can't, I can't imagine going through protracted months of just nobody really coming in as a service industry. That's just not, it's just not designed for that. That's just not yeah. in the business plan. So. Yeah. I mean, the first year uh, of the, of the shutdown, uh, myself and Harry were the two partners, Lou and Harry's um, we're working literally seven days a week. Just we're doing strictly deliveries Ooh. and, uh, and it's like, it wasn't even the factor of just working like every single day like that alone. Wasn't, that wasn't what I was upset about. I was not seeing the people because, you know, right. we're all in this, you know, that's what we love about this is me, you know, getting to know all the kids and all the, the patrons that come in and that's our like second family to us. That's what restaurant right. tours do, you know? It's fun, yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the whole part of it that keeps you going. And when you're just sitting in the kitchen all day, just cooking food and not able to talk to anybody, like see anyone's happy face about the experience you just gave them, you know, it, it got tough for a little while, but, you know, we pulled through and, yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys have made it through the opposite side and any of the businesses that have made it. It's it's good that uh, East Lansing did not fall apart from the pandemic, fortunately. And yeah. with the RHC, you guys had each other. That sounds really way deeper than it was, <laughs> but it's true. Anything I didn't cover about the RHC that you want to mention? I'm not I'm not the expert here. That's why I bring you on, Scott. So if there's anything yeah. that I didn't cover. Uh, one thing I would uh, like to say is that uh, RHC also does a fall training. We haven't done it uh, the last two years because of the pandemic. We pandemic. didn't want to bring all the kids yep. into an auditorium. But normally Makes we sense. have a fall training every year, right at the beginning of the year. And uh, it basically covers anything from sexual harassment. We bring speakers in about any type of sexual harassment and um, all the way to police officers coming in to talk about ID checking and underage drinking and um, over. And then we have an MLBA member come in and talk to about overconsumption. Um, but it, we do it every fall and it, it's really awesome tool because we have about 300 to 350 of our employees all come to this and we get, you know, we donate food and all that kind of stuff. So everyone has a good lunch and it's, uh, but it's, it goes over, I mean, every kind of basic idea of what you could expect, you know, from, the, from an employee standpoint, how to navigate it properly. So that's something REC that's done every year and it's been tremendously helpful for the gotcha. staff because they just, they really get to learn a lot of problems that are going to be coming their way and how to deal with them. So gotcha. No, that's very cool. I did not know about that, but that's a that's a good thing. I hope I hope COVID is cleared up enough that you guys can resume doing it this fall. Because yeah, we I tried hope, it. We tried I hope to do it electronically by then, anyways. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah, we tried to do it electronically this year, but it was just going to be too much of a mess. So we just decided to postpone it one more year, and then we definitely plan on continuing it though. So cool. Well, thank you, Scott. I really appreciate taking some time out of your work day. I know you are very busy running, running and owning and operating your restaurant. So I appreciate you taking some time for me today. Yeah, thank you for taking the time and having me on as well. I really appreciate it as well. Thanks again to Scott Rowland for joining the show. And now on to Mike Kruger. So I'm joined now by Mike Kruger, who is the owner and operator of Crunchies, which is a an East Lansing institution, I think, comfortably at this point. Um, Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. So you Absolutely. have been uh, an RHC member. I believe you've been on the executive committee or currently are. I'm, I don't want to... Miss, correct, mistitle yeah. you, but uh, how long have you been involved in the RHC? I've been involved since, God, it's got to be since about 2010, actually, probably okay. when I first started uh, working at Crunchies. Okay. And then I guess what's what's been your, I guess, your experience with it? And I guess from, from just your perspective as somebody who owns and operates Crunchies or just a, you know, a single entity restaurant, What's been your experience, I guess, with the RHC and sort of how does it work as being one member of it, kind of? Sure. No, it's, it's, been a, it's been a great experience. You know, it's a, a group of us who are all, you know, essentially dedicated to making sure that we're, we're, we're serving the residents of 
of East Lansing um, safely and uh, appropriately. And, um, you know, we meet uh, once a month, not during the summer, I usually take summer months off because it's a little bit slower and uh, right. there aren't usually as many issues that pop up. But um, no, it's it's been a, a really positive experience. Um, great, you know, uh, to be able to talk with our allied members who are from different areas, such as the, the city of East Lansing, uh, Liquor Control Commission, Hingham County Substance Abuse Programs, you know, it, it, different things like that. And so it's, it's good to, to be able to all come together and to talk about what's going on and if there's any issues in our community so that we can, uh, you know, address them as a group rather than just sort of taking them on one-on-one. Yeah, it seems like, I think COVID was a good illustration of this. The RHC kind of allows for a less of a piecemealing of things. And I'm thinking of the the lines issue with COVID of, as far as I understand it, you guys kind of came together and, you know, okay, we can't have lines backing out outside with everyone crowded. What can we do? And kind of every, everybody, in, I'd say everybody being everybody in the RHC, not every business in East Lansing, the RHC is a little more limited than that, but everybody coming together and kind of addressing the problem together and you're all going to do it in your own little ways, but everybody sort of being on the same page about problems and being on the same page about trying to address them kind of creates this broader expectation around town and around the bars and eateries downtown. Right. Right. And, and that was the whole, that was the whole point is to, to, you know, we wanted the, the, the public to understand like, look, we're, we're in this with you all too. Cause I feel like for so long and sort of historically it's, it's sort of been you know, the, the bars get blamed for a lot of the stuff that goes on, a lot of the bad things that happen in East right. Lansing. Right. Cause uh, you know, a lot of the times it's alcohol related, even though it may not necessarily be because, you know, whatever incident happens, you know, that person was necessarily served at a, an establishment in East Lansing. They could have right. been, you know, drinking at a house party or whatever, but you know, unfortunately the residents, some residents give us kind of a bad rap. And so, um, you know, that's part of why the RHC exists also is to sort of, you know, help the community understand and East Lansing understand that, you know, look, we're here, we, we work together on these problems and we're, we're always, you know, talking and efforting to, to address issues. And, and, you know, the lines during COVID were a, a prime example. And, you know, the city came to us and they're like, Hey, look, you know, we're going to, put this ordinance in place or whatever I can't remember if they call it an ordinance, but this says, you know, we're not going to allow lines. Right. And we're like, absolutely. We get it. You know, not a problem. Like let's, you know, here's some different options that we could do in order to um, help, you know, right. keep everybody safe. And so, um, yeah, no, that was a, that's a good example of us all kind of working together, but individually, but also under the same, you know, umbrella of, of, of keeping the community safe. So. Right. And I want to touch on, uh, just to get a little more onto the sort of who's in the RHC and sort of what the RHC actually is, because I think it's mostly or exclusively pretty much downtown liquor license holders, if I'm not mistaken. Not all of them, but most of them, correct? That's correct, yeah. So we, we invite actually any liquor license holder, whether it's a um, an off-premise or an on-premise. So a party store versus holder. a bar. So, yep. Have, yeah, got Correct, it. yep. Yep, party stores, yep. Gotcha. They're all invited. Um, and we in, in the past we've had some good participation from um, from the previous owners of the the downtown Seven Eleven from uh, the, the Big Ten that was on Grand River before that was sold. Right. You know, so we had we had some participation from some different store owners um, in the past. Um, they may not find it quite as beneficial because a lot of the stuff that we do end up talking about is you know directly downtown related and right. sort of related serving to serving and stuff like that. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. But yeah no, everybody's invited. There are some establishments that are not members uh, by choice. They may have been members in the past and they didn't, you know, necessarily want to 
go along with the the philosophy of, of what the RHC you know tries to promote and so they've chosen to to not uh, be members now and um, you know and that's obviously clearly their choice they obviously can still do business in East Lansing but you know we like to think that um, you know those of us who are members you know tend to be a little bit more respectful I guess of of what you know the residents want what the cities want what the city leadership wants of us and you know we're always here to to try to work with with everybody together. So. Well, and I think the fact that just being a part of it, I think, says a lot. Given the fact that it's not, you know, it's not a governmental body, it's not a public body. It's it's sort of this quasi public group of. It's really just a bunch of private business owners, and you know, the mayor or a council member, and people from MSU or ELPD, and so on and so forth will attend, as I understand it. But it is right. kind of just a private club, so to speak. But that there's a, a distinct group and a buy-in from a large amount of the owners and operators of bars and restaurants downtown in East Lansing, I think just in and of itself says a lot that like this group exists. Because as I understand it, there's not, this is kind of maybe not only East Lansing has one, but it is very rare. And there are not a lot of sort of these coalitions or councils of bar and restaurant owners and you know college town specifically but it just this is sort of a unique thing to east lansing one way or another that's correct yeah it is it's very unique and you know, we've been contacted by um other cities and municipalities over the years you know kind of trying to figure out how or why you know something like this even exists and you know i think it's just sort of a, a testament to the original you know the founding members who some of whom are still currently members right and so they've sort of uh, helped keep this thing alive and keep this thing going and, and understand the benefits of working with the city, you know, working with the police department, working with, you know, the different uh, liaisons that are, that that volunteer their time and and come to, to, to these uh, council meetings. And, you know, and obviously we're all volunteering our time to do it. The uh, executive committee, you know, takes, uh, spends a little bit more time, you know, getting the agenda together and, um, you know, meeting on, on behalf of the rest of the council, with different leadership, you know, different points during the year. But um, for the most part, it's, 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 it, well, I mean, it's a hundred percent volunteer, you know, and right. uh, you know, we do, we, of course we, we collect dues to sort of the reason we do that is to sort of, you know, have some skin in the game, you know, get people to like, Hey, if you're going to pay your dues, show up, have a voice, you know, uh, right. make your opinions known just, and attend these meetings and, and be, yeah, just be involved, you know, be involved in your, in, in your community. And those dues, you know, we, we don't use them for ourselves. You know, there's a small percentage that goes to, you know, filing our 501c3 right. tax return at the end of the year. But the rest of it, you know, goes right back into the community. You know, we, we do uh, things like sponsor the art festival. We've done the, the music stage there for a couple of years. We've, I think last year we donated all our money to, um, to uh, uh, pay off a school lunch debt, you know, at the, gotcha. um, I believe we did a free Lansing public schools. And so, you know, like it's going, all the money goes back to the community. It's just, you know, we collect the dues to, you know, to kind of have some skin in the game. A a literal buy-in. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And I wanted to ask you, I, I know you guys do a sort of training for all of the sort of staff, so to speak, and it's been disrupted because of COVID and all that. But I'm curious to learn about that because that seems like a very specific thing that the RHC does that is, I'm sure incredibly beneficial. So as I kind of understand it, it's almost kind of a fall seminar for all the the staff and people working at the various establishments for sort of when students come back and everything from over-serving, sexual harassment, working with the police coming and doing ID checks. 
how do you know guess i guess do you know how that got going or was that something that was already happening when you got there and kind of that very sort of specific thing the rhc does i think is very illustrative of what the point of it is yeah you know i i i'm not sure the history of the fall training per se because i believe it, it was it was going when i when i joined back in 2010 gotcha. um but you know it has been an extremely useful tool for you know for those of us who actually participate in the meetings right so uh, you know there's a number of different liquor license holders around town you know they're probably about 70 to 80 percent of us participate in the rhc and of that probably 60 or yeah, pretty much almost all of us you know find it beneficial to bring our staff to this fall training and to um you know, require them to, to attend it. And so, you know, most of us will have like our newer staff, for example, who are maybe right. hired that fall or hired that summer or within the previous, you know, 12 months since the last training, we asked them to, to attend that training. And it just sort of, you know, helps them to understand what it is police are looking for in a, in a fake ID, you know, so that way they can help right. sort of identify fake IDs a little bit easier. Because obviously in a college town, that's a a tremendous uh, scourge <laughs> issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, but it's more just about, you know, making sure that these kids who are, are coming in or, or adults, young adults, you know, sometimes older adults, that they understand, you know, the, the seriousness of, of serving alcohol and what, you know, and what doing the wrong thing or, or not, you know, abiding by safe practices, like what those results can, can lead to. And, and so, you know, we want, Obviously, all of us as liquor license holders have an obligation uh, to protect our liquor license, right? We're not trying right. to be over-serving people just to, to make a dollar. Like, we want to do it safely um, because we're the ones who are ultimately going to end up, you know, getting sued, you know, some, should something terrible happen. And so we want all of our staff to be trained and to be serving properly and safely. And uh, that's really what the, the, the biggest benefit of that uh, that training is. Gotcha. Um, we have we have added over the last couple of years a, a sexual assault training as well to to Id- identify help the staff identify like situations that might be going on within the bars and or restaurants that you know could be unsafe or you know r- red flags you know uh, right. to to look out for when um, when when you see you know not so comfortable things happening and and, and right. to be able to speak up about it and to be able to address it with those patrons uh, professionally and, and appropriately. So well, and I just think um, even even having addressed that in the past makes it all that more easy to try and deal with it if you see it, because if you yeah. just have to try and come up with something on the fly, I don't, I don't know that anybody's necessarily just capable of figuring that one out. So that seems right, very right. valuable to kind of just have had your toes in the water, at least. Is there anything Absolutely. I am obviously you're the, you're the RHC expert, not me. Is there anything <laughs> that you want to mention that I didn't bring up or cover? No, I don't think so. I think you, you covered it all pretty well. You know, um, we just want, you know, we want the, the community to be aware that, that we exist and uh, that we're here to work with the community and to work with, you know, our customers and work with everybody to, to you know, promote the safe, the, the safe uh, serving of alcoholic beverages. You know, like we're, we're just here as, as part of the community and we're, we're all on the same team and we're, we don't want people to uh, be vilifying, you know, the liquor license holders just because, you know, some, bad things happen once in a while that have nothing to do with us so right it's all in the name responsible hospitality absolutely awesome well mike thank you i think for taking some time out of your day i know you you and anyone else in the rhc tend to be very busy and with covid and all that so i really do appreciate it you're very welcome i really appreciate you having me i want to say thanks again to scott roland of lou and harry's and mike kruger of crunchies for coming on today and talking about the rhc This is all we got, all we have for you today, but I hope you enjoyed it, and it was an interesting podcast. 
Again, this has been the East Lansing Insider by East Lansing Info and Impact 89FM. I'm Andrew Graham, and thank you for listening. East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.